This is the Regular Pastor Podcast. My name is Landon Coleman. I'm the preaching pastor at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Odessa, Texas. Today I am talking to Brian Fairchild, who is uh, the pastor of Colonial Bible Church in Midland, Texas. So Brian, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Landon. I'm excited to be here. Hey, this is, uh, I got to be honest with you, this is kind of a step up for uh, the Regular Pastor Podcast. This is the first Midlander to appear on the uh, podcast. We've been slumming it with Odessa guys so far, but we feel like we're really stepping up in the world. And uh, from watching your social media, I feel like I have the Dean of Master Seminary on the podcast today because every other post is like you and Steve Lawson, you and John MacArthur, you teaching the classes out there, those guys learning from you. So anyways, we're oh, excited That, that to would be on. nice, but uh, hardly the case. <laughs> We're glad to have you. Hey, take a minute. Both of our listeners want to know who you are and a little bit about you, uh, family, church. Uh, you're just finishing up some school, so tell our folks a little bit about who you are. Yeah, uh, thanks, Landon. I am a native Midlander. Uh, I grew up in Midland, uh, spent four years in Florida, a couple of years in Kansas City for a formal education. Uh, married my wife, Nicole, right out of college, and we have three children. Uh, two sons, 13 and 10, and we're blessed with a baby girl uh, back in the summer of 2016. So we have a, an 18, almost 18-month-old 18 baby girl keeping things in balance in the house. Awesome. Uh, we planted Colonial Bible Church uh, in 2002, so we are going into our 16th year, by God's grace, of ministering uh, back in Midland, a place I never really thought I would have the privilege of coming back to, but I love being uh, with my people, so to speak. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, being home and ministering there, and I'm completing a, a doctorate at the Master Seminary currently. In fact, just uh, received my dissertation back from my advisor last night. So we are had it look uh, pretty good. Not not too much read, a, l- <laughs> a little bit, just enough to keep me humble. Nice. But uh, we're moving forward, so nice. that's good. Green, green lighting, getting the oral defense scheduled, and Lord willing, graduate in May. So awesome! That's exciting. I think the worst day of my life may have been the day I got my uh, dissertation prospectus back from Miss Amundsen at Southern Seminary, who grades them, and it was like. A red paper with a glimmer of white and black every now and then. And I just almost wanted feel to just crawl in a hole and die. And I'm I like, feel the pain. Anyways, bad day. Well, that's cool. Uh, that's exciting stuff. And uh, congratulations on the Thank degree. You. And um, that's that's certainly exciting. I have asked uh, you to come over to Odessa and sit down with me for a couple of minutes. And I want to talk about sermon preparation. And this is, a, this is one of my favorite things to talk to other pastors about. I'm always a little bit surprised and maybe a little bit challenged when I talk to other guys and they tell me how they prepare, what's, what, what goes into sermon prep for them. And uh, it's just something that encourages me and I think kind of keeps me on my toes. It's easy for me to get in a rut, and I think it's easy for most guys to get in a rut of, this is how I prepare for a sermon. And uh, at least for me, it's helpful to get out of my own head and listen to somebody else sort of say, well, this is how I do it. This is how I've been taught, or mm. this is this is what works for me. So in the context of this podcast, I, I always try to keep it on the level of regular pastors, meaning, you know, not the guy who can hole up in his office for 40 hours and do <laughs> nothing but sermon prep for a week, but the guy that has a thousand other things to do every week. Right. 
whether that's visiting, whether that's counseling, whether that's issues related to the facility, their campus, or whatever. Um, just a very general question. For a regular pastor, how important is sermon prep? Where does it rank? Yeah, I think it ranks at the top of what we do because our primary calling as pastors uh, is to be the mouthpiece for the Word of God to yeah. come through. So if we're not accurately and faithfully and intentionally preparing every week, that is going to fall short. Um, I've heard uh, Dr. MacArthur say multiple times when counseling young pastors and they ask him, how is it that we grow a church? How do you build a church and a ministry? And his answer is pretty consistent, and it's this, keep your seat in the seat, uh, study, 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 uh, prepare those sermons. And so I think that uh, as a result, sermon preparation is not always something on a calendar. It becomes something of a lifestyle. Hmm where we are constantly preparing, even when we're not behind a desk. Yeah. And so I think it's that critical. I think that is our chief task. I think everything else in our ministry needs to, to be a byproduct of what happens in the pulpit, and it can only happen in the pulpit if it's first happened in the study. So are you saying that it needs to dominate the hours that you have available to work in a week, or are you saying it just needs to be a priority that runs throughout your week? I mean... Is it helpful to even try to quantify that? Uh, your your straight answer was it's it's the most important thing we do, right. which I agree with. Yeah. Does that how does that translate into working sermon prep into your actual yeah. week? Thoughts about that? I think if you can give it uh, the hours, uh, you know, quantity that's obviously would be a goal, but. You, you and I, we both know that being regular pastors, that's not always going to happen. In fact, it rarely happens that yeah. we get to give it the, the, the necessary blocks of time that we wish we could give. Yeah. But I think we can work that in in different ways uh, so that we get both. So I think it is both a, a priority and something that we need to schedule. I think you do have to block out time and just guard that time, yeah. especially early on in the process and at the very end of the process. In between, you can work it in in different ways. But. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And I think you, you just got to carve the time out. You have to make the time. You have to say no to certain things. Right. And even as, as you say it, and I affirm it, <clears throat> I think of a very small number of guys I've known. This is not the majority. Very small number. Who agree with everything that you and I are saying, and they then go to block out so much time for sermon prep that mm -hmm. it hinders opportunities for discipleship, oh, opportunities for evangelism, opportunities for leading their staff or their, their leadership in their church. And I think sometimes giving the right answer of this is the most critical thing we do, it almost crowds other important things out. Right. I, I don't think that's a problem for most guys, but I've known a few guys who have struggled with that. Yeah, I don't I don't think you can at least in our position, you you have to be available to people. Yeah. And I think so many times our discipleship and our counseling comes straight out of what we've preached. Yeah. And so yeah. you, that's Man, the, I've experienced that so many times. That's the follow up yeah. to your preaching. So in essence it is part of your preaching. Yeah. At least it should be if we're being faithful to God's Word in the study and in the pulpit. I like it. How many years have you been a preacher? 
You know, I preached my first sermon at 15 years old. Okay. I'm 42 now. There you go. So uh, not a lot of preaching opportunities. I, I sense the Lord's call really on my life to preach from a pretty early age. Huh. And uh, I can remember making that, if you will, in in the Baptist circles that I grew up in, official in, in junior high, and never looked back, really. Uh, so at 15, I uh, had the opportunity to preach in the school that I went to, cool. and then uh, my Sunday school teacher actually gave me an opportunity as well. Preached throughout college, um, taught Sunday school through high school to younger kids. Just any chance I could get to right. preach or teach. I was in, that's and cool. I think that's important for a preacher as well. Like the reps. Just yeah, just it. do it. The more you do it, the more you love it, the the more skillful you become in yeah. your study and in your ability to communicate. Yeah. So, yeah, preach. If you're a preacher, preach. So you've done it for a while now. Um, you mentioned one piece of advice that uh, John MacArthur gives to, to young guys. What would you say to a young guy um, if there was a new guy in Midland Maybe he plants a church or maybe he walks into an established church and he's the new preacher and it's it's his first rodeo. He's never really done this vocationally before. Mm. And all of a sudden, it's his responsibility every week to preach Sunday mornings and maybe a Sunday night or maybe a Wednesday. What advice would you give that new guy for sermon prep? That's a great question, Landon. I think that one of the first pieces of, of advice that I would give to somebody in that uh, particular situation, uh, I guess it'd be twofold. Number one, and this is not as much related to the technical aspect of sermon preparation, but you need to get to know your church. Hmm. Get to know them as quickly as possible. Why? Why is that important? You've got to assess where they are spiritually so that you know how to feed them. Yeah, I think we've all made the mistake of going over people's heads at times or uh, perhaps presenting to them doctrines that they were not equipped or ready to handle. And I think that's one of the quickest ways that a pastor can end his ministry in a local church is by force-feeding things that the congregation is not yet equipped to handle. Especially if you walk into an established church Absolutely. where there's history yes. and there was another preacher before you who maybe didn't agree with you on all areas right. of doctrine. You need to know where he was and where your people are before you start just jumping in. Right. I I, like that. Even as a church planter, when you're reaching out to people and they're coming, they're coming bringing their understanding of Scripture, their uh, spiritual level of maturity with them. You can't assume yeah. that you have a completely blank slate. I learned that the hard way, even as a church planter. It does not always go uh, the rosy way that uh, so many young guys coming out of seminary think church plant. Church planting is kind of a romantic idea right For sure. now. For sure. There are a lot of things that, that I wish I could tell church planters. Um, it's not all that it's painted to be. And if you love your sheep, if you love the people God has entrusted to your care, then you're going to get to know them. Like and then beyond that, after you know them, I would my counsel would be to that that new pastor to take a, a very approachable book in the Bible, huh. say a Philippians or uh, a Colossians, uh, maybe even the Gospel of John, where we're hmm. just we're driving to Christ, we're seeing Christ over and over and over again, and walk through that book systematically because what that does, if you're new to this, it holds your hand and it guides you through 
the preaching so that you're preaching the entirety of an inspired letter, getting the whole of what God wants to hand those people systematically, and you're not having to reinvent the wheel yeah, every like Sunday. I like it. I did that at my first church, and it wasn't as intentional and well thought out as what you just described, but I preached through John was the first mm. thing I preached through as a brand new mm-hmm. preacher. And I didn't have to wonder where I was going. I didn't have to find a text. I didn't have to be creative yeah. with a series. I didn't have to, you know, think outside the box. You just got to sit down, start with one one, and plow through it. And I know it was good for me. You know, I think speaking of series, I think the longer that you preach, one of the things that the Puritans did well in their preaching. Uh, I wouldn't encourage the length of Puritan preaching for a, for a new pastor. Two, three-hour sermons yeah, might be a bit much. But one of the things that the Puritans did very, very well uh, was that they intentionally applied the sermon to every possible scenario of life that they could think of that existed within their congregation. Yeah. So they had a grid that they actually processed through. And I think that's very helpful as we're preaching through a book each week to think through that that single mom, yeah. uh, that retired couple, that college young man who's uh, trying to, to, to discern the Lord's will for his career. Um, and that's hard for a new preacher, it a guy is. with no experience, to do the application. The right. exegesis, there's tools for that. There's help for that. and. The delivery and the oratory, there's ways you can work on that and learn. But knowing how to apply to your people, that's a skill. It is. That takes work and intentionality. If I could just plug someone that, that is, is really helpful in this area, uh, Mike Fabares uh, from Compass Bible Church in California, his book, Preaching That Changes Lives, mm. has some helpful tools for I think any preacher, but especially young preachers, grids that help you think through that. Because just as we study the Word of God, I think application has to be studied out. The Puritans would call that Reformed experiential preaching. And I think that's what we need. But you have to, I think, plan out and study out for application as much as you do for presentation uh, of the truth. So, And and that goes back as well to, you talked about series. I think that as you grow in your preaching, and this is something I think a young preacher should aspire to, and, and figure out and begin to, to work into his preparation time is that a lot of times New Testament letters especially, and even a book like Genesis, you can divide that up into series. Right. So people don't always feel like we're just trudging through a book mm-hmm. verse by verse, but instead, okay, now we see the natural yeah. divisions within the letter, within the book. To me, that makes it a little bit more helpful I and like something it. I'm trying to do more of in my own preaching. I like it. I like. I think those are great pieces of advice. I wrote down a couple of things thinking about advising young guys um, and just to be transparent, these are things that I wish I could kind of go back and tell myself as a young preacher. I hear one, that. One is that you don't have to say everything in every sermon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unless you're just going to take a, a word or a phrase or a sentence or half a paragraph, you can't say everything in, I don't care how long you're preaching, 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes, you can't say it all. And I think as a young guy, I felt pressure not to leave anything out. And certainly you don't want to leave out central important things, but there's also kind of a release in saying, I don't have to say everything in this sermon. 
Mm-hmm. I can come back to some of these things. I can circle around or I can focus on a big idea without hitting all the periphery things. Um, for me, I know it was helpful for me to write things out word for word. And that's not something that I think everyone has to do. But for me, there was an, a level of intentionality in thinking through how I wanted to say what I wanted to say. And it's one thing to get an idea in your brain and to think, I want to talk about this in my message, scribble a note down. It's another thing to think through it word for word, to be clear and concise and mm-hmm. to get to the point. And that kind of leads to the last thing. Um, there's so there's so many different types of preaching on the Internet, um, mm-hmm. on social media we have access to. I think I would just tell a young guy, your job is to be clear. Mm-hmm. It's not to be funny. That's right. And it's not to be smart. Right. Your job is to be clear. That's right. Make the Word of God plain. Apply it, and it will do its work without a joke, without fancy Greek words, without all the things that Mm. you think need to go into a sermon. Just make it plain for your people, and then get out of the way. Absolutely. So, Very very good. I love that. I love that. Let's talk about, uh, just for a minute, your process. I'm curious to know, what does it look like when Brian Fairchild sits down and uh, he's crafting a sermon, working on a sermon, preparing for a sermon for Sunday. What's your process look like? My process uh, for sermon preparation, I think it goes back to planning. And you and I have talked about this a little bit off the record. Uh, I think sermon planning is mm-hmm. huge. Uh, How far in advance? I think if you can go a year out, that's beneficial. <clears throat> I think if you can look even further out, not necessarily planning to the Sunday what you're going to do, but just anticipating where your church is, where you hope to move them with the Lord's help, spiritually speaking, uh, be thinking ahead always. So I think it starts there. And then uh, when you finish preaching, at least for me, we ought to always be studying for mm-hmm. sermons in context. So you're always aware of what came before and what's coming up. Mm. So really, I think the process starts uh, on Sunday afternoon. Mm. Uh, as soon as you finish preaching one, and, and hopefully... Uh, do I get a nap in, or do you, I have you to get start a nap. No, you okay. get a nap. You get a nap. Uh, definitely, because rest <laughs> is spiritual. Uh, and it does help your preaching. Yeah. So... Um, I think you start to think about, at least that's something I do anyway, and maybe it's just the way my weird brain works, but I, I'll, I'll already start to anticipate what next Sunday is mm-hmm. going to be like. On Sunday night, I may even go in and print out uh, the text of mm-hmm. my sermon for the next Sunday so I can begin working on it first thing during the week. I typically take Monday off from any type of uh, preparation just to give my, my heart in my mind, a chance to rest. Mm-hmm. I may, may do administrative things or mm-hmm. facility-related things, whatever mm-hmm. needs to be done. But then in earnest, the process starts Tuesday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts with, and again, I don't think this necessarily translates into the actual delivery of the sermon, the exposition, but I think the exegetical work absolutely needs to begin in the languages. So I think it it's, it's just imperative for a pastor to avail himself to whatever level he can. And there may be some guys who have no Greek or Hebrew training, but you know, praise the Lord, we live in a time that technology has made all of that so accessible to us. Even if you're not in seminary, there's, exactly. there's tools and resources available. Absolutely. Yeah. You can understand it. And I think you have to put in 
time into that, not because it makes you more spiritual or it necessarily makes you a better preacher, but it does give your, you a better sense of the depth of what's being uh, communicated there. So uh, Tuesday is reserved for translation and then outlining and diagramming. I'm a big fan of block diagramming versus the kind we learned in, in elementary school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like to block diagram because out of that, God not only inspired his word, but he inspired it in a very specific way. And I think out of that come the big points Mm -hmm. that end up being your sermon outline. Mm -hmm. And so I like to to diagram on Tuesdays. If I have time, I'll move to the commentary phase after that. And what you're describing right there is kind of the heart of exegetical preaching. I want to get to the point of the text, Mm -hmm. and that is going to be the point of the sermon. Exactly. I don't have to invent the point every week. No. I just need to find it right. and then show it to the people. Right. So I like that. That's good. Commentaries. Do you read a lot? Do you? Does it depend on what you're preaching through? I mean, do you try to buy, get on Amazon and buy every, you know, commentary on Acts or wherever you're at? What, what's your What's your routine there? Yeah. So commentaries. I use as many good ones as I can find. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, obviously, funds and uh, bookshelf space limit that yeah. uh, somewhat. There, there's a very helpful website, uh, www.bestcommentaries.com. Huh. You can go there, and uh, I have found it to be highly reliable. There's a few men who've written books to help pastors build their libraries, but to find commentaries, you can go there, read reviews, read ratings, those sorts of things. And, so what, and what you're helpful. describing is so that you don't waste your time. Don't waste your so time you, and your money. Yeah, don't don't buy junk you're not going to use. Yeah, uh, and there's a lot of junk out there. And just so to be much. honest, uh, so I, I'm not a fan of buying whole sets. I, I do have some sets. I have Calvin's set. I have the Expositor's Bible Commentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have the Baker New Testament Commentary. So there's there's some that are worth buying the whole set. Others I just pick and choose because yeah. not every series is going to be gold. Uh, so yeah, I do use commentaries. I, I start, I, I try to do as much of my own work and mining out the, the structure, the main point of the text, um, what it's saying on my own, and, and then use commentaries as a check, yeah. as a safety. If I've come up with a completely new idea, I'm going to be worried about myself. Absolutely. But I want the weight of godly men who've been faithful over the long haul throughout the history of the church. I want their work to verify what I'm finding. And so that's what commentaries are for. Uh, Wednesdays, That's I try to do all of that on Tuesdays. Um, Wednesday is typically a day for me to, to go to a point that I think is missing in almost all preaching instruction in seminaries, and that is meditation. Um, and you can't do that if you start on Friday. No. you got to, the process, whatever your process is, it's got to begin early in the week. That's right. And you got to have a plan and know, otherwise you cut that out. That's right. It doesn't marinate, it doesn't, it doesn't resonate with you. Yeah. And you're a hollow preacher on Sunday if it hasn't impacted you first. Yeah. Passion in preaching comes from, for me, for meditating on Wednesday. Yeah. And if we're not passionate when we preach, we don't need to be preaching. Yeah. And that passion comes across differently for different guys. Sure. It's not always yelling and screaming or so whatever. But uh, I, so Wednesday for me, I am I'm thinking. I'm I'm letting it marinate, so to speak, from what came out of Tuesday. I'm doing other things on Wednesday, preparing for Wednesday night Bible studies, counseling, 
some uh, different things like that. So uh, Wednesday, I try to, uh, you know, if somebody wants to have lunch, Wednesday's a good day typically to try and do that. Thursday, I come back in, and Thursday's the day that I actually start trying to craft the sermon, hmm. taking all of the, the outline and the flow and the information from Tuesday and putting that into a form that is easily accessible to my people. Um, what words do I want to use? How do I want to craft that sentence? How do I want to uh, help them remember the structure of this, the, these verses, this body of text? Does that take the form of a manuscript, or does that take the form of detailed notes? Uh, for me, it's it's kind of a hybrid outline slash manuscript form. Okay, uh, I am in the process of trying to cut down on the number of notes that I take into the pulpit, okay. which makes Wednesday even more important. Yeah. Because if it's part of who I am, I don't need it on paper. Yeah. It, it's part of who I am, and it flows naturally. So uh, on Thursday, it, it does. I I used to type my sermons. I now handwrite my sermons. Really? Interesting. Because I find that it takes me longer to handwrite. But it gives me more time to reflect you down. and to think. Yeah. Yes, it, it forces me to slow down. Interesting. What I did find with with typed manuscripts, and again, that this is me. Everybody has to figure out what works best for them. But with typed, I had so much information. I preached longer than I should have preached, hmm. and I did not preach with the level of personal connection hmm. to the congregation that that I think is requisite for a preacher. So handwriting my sermons out, I use an iPad. Mm-hmm. I copy the text on the left side of the page out of accordance, and uh, then I handwrite uh, on the right side of the page my outline and my notes. Interesting. And I'm able to circle, highlight within the text, draw arrows, whatever. It's pretty messy looking, and, and if anybody else looked at it, they probably wouldn't be able to read it, but right. I know what it... Makes sense to you. It makes sense to me. And again, a lot of it drives back to Wednesday yeah. and meditating on that. And, and then, again, on Friday, uh, Friday is usually... I'm, I'm working on Sunday school and, and more administrative things. So Friday and Saturday are another really important time to just meditate and read Um Maybe read other sermons that that other pastors have preached on it before, or uh, just to be quiet and, and pray and think. So I, I like that process a lot, and um, I, I'll go back and describe mine here in just a minute. Here's one thing I really like about it is I know some guys who would listen to what you just described. Okay, this is not me. This is other guys, and they would say it's too structured, it's too rigid. You're not allowing room for the Holy Spirit to guide you, blah, 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 blah. And my response, I don't know how you would respond, but my response based on what you described is, okay, back up. The Word of God, inspired by the Spirit, has a meaning. Right. That's the point of the sermon. Then you build in time for meditation and we may or may not describe it this way, but through that process of meditation, I think the Spirit will guide you through that mm-hmm. in application, in illustration, in presentation, in driving it home to your heart so there's a genuineness when you talk about it. The Spirit's not going to guide you to some something that's not in the text. What's in the text is there, and you find it, and that's the point. Right. And the meditation drives it home to your heart and helps you think about how to apply it to other people. So I like that. My process is really similar. Um, you always start with the text, 
And before I crack any book, I want to have read through it, prayed through it, thought about it, uh, outlined the major parts, and tried to write down what I think is the central idea. What is the point of this passage? If I had to summarize it in one statement, and then what are the the big ideas that I'm going to hit on as I move through? I may not I may not have them all worded perfectly, but I've got them down on paper. Mm-hmm. Go to the commentaries. I love the way you described it. It's a check on my work to make sure I'm moving in the right direction or to make sure I didn't miss anything or to make sure right. I haven't gone completely down the wrong road. <laughs> and then you move. What I do is I move in. I provide uh, for our for our folks a outline, um, just big ideas. It's a half sheet front and back. And I work on that first because on the outline, I want to put the, the big idea. The, the point of the passage and the main points as you work through it exegetically. And I get that set midweek so that the, the ladies can get that ready for Sunday. But then that becomes the outline that I'm working off of. And once mm-hmm. that outline's set, it's just fill it in. How do I want to talk about this? How do I want to explain it? Uh, what do I need to, to throw in by way of illustration or clarification? And uh, for me, I do, I do write it out. Uh, I type it. And I try to type it word for word, as I said earlier, to think through um, with clarity how I want to say what I want to say. And then after I have a manuscript, I don't know what you you kind of described taking your, I think you said iPad? Yes. In. I take my manuscript and just turn it into a condensed version of notes mm. uh, that I mm-hmm. put one page in my Bible and it's front and back and it's got the big ideas and prompts. If there's a date I don't want to forget, I'll put a date down, things like that. Right. Um, and that's what I use. So very similar, a little bit different in, in some of the specifics, but very similar um, to what you've described. I, I'm curious, you mentioned that you used to type and now you write. Any other changes over you know, more than a decade of preaching that are significant changes to how you prepare for a message? I've I've used multiple systems. <laughs> I think we all do. We go through yeah. metamorphoses. I feel like mine is is fairly well consistent over the last number of years yeah. and set somewhat. I, I don't think any real changes. I think that that pattern has, has always pretty much more or less been there. It's been tweaked and uh, changed in in small ways at times, but I've always been fairly convinced. I'm I'm a limited guy as far as my abilities. I'm not a creative guy. Uh, I'm a terrible salesman. I learned that in seminary when I was working full time in a sales job and, and selling uh, what uh, payroll uh, of all things. Uh, everybody gets so excited to talk about payroll taxes when they see you at the door. It's awesome. And uh, it's only by God's grace my wife and I didn't starve to death as newlyweds. But uh, so I'm just I'm limited. So I just have to be driven by the text, and to me, I, there's not a, too many ways to approach the text. Yeah. I think there may be small differences in every preacher, but those are the the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah. And so stick with it. And uh, again, you you pointed it out. Let the Spirit of God do His work. Yeah, you know, make the point. Get out of the way. Yeah, um, preach up. You know, and and then shut up and sit down. I like so, it. We're we're getting close on time, but there's a couple other things I wanna I wanna throw at you and just get your take on um, your thoughts on handouts and PowerPoint. Yay, nay, words of caution, um, must haves. What do you think? 
I don't do handouts right now. I don't have a secretary. It's just me. There you go. So I uh, don't really have time. I w- ideally, I would do handouts. PowerPoint, no. I think we're already an overly uh, saturated society as far as media goes. <laughs> and I think it's just another distraction, to be honest. Uh, I wish I could bar cell phones at the door uh, sometimes because I know people are distracted by those, even in the middle of a service. Uh, So no to PowerPoint. I like handout better, but I I will tell you, I'm also a big fan of just hearing the word of God. Uh, It was an oral uh, culture uh, in which the Bible was given. People didn't even have Bibles to bring. I'm all for bringing your Bible and taking notes. So... um, Nay, on PowerPoint, personal preference. Yeah, I, I like handouts, great because people can continue those notes. Yeah, but beyond that, there you go. That's interesting, and I agree, I agree with everything you said. Here we do a handout um, for a Sunday morning sermon. It's usually pretty brief, um, major points on it, big idea of the passage, uh, sometimes any explanatory details that help make sense of mm-hmm. the context or whatever. Yeah, great place for that. Um, I do I do use PowerPoint. I've always used it. Um, what, what was interesting is the first church I preached at, we had two services, and one was in a room that had equipment to use PowerPoint and the other wasn't. And so the first four years of preaching, I preached the same sermon, and in one service, I had PowerPoint, and in the other, I didn't. And uh, I guess that experience would tell me, you can do it either way. Sure. There is a danger, and you described it, in that you you throw too much on the screen. Or I think there's even a danger for some guys that what you throw on the screen just doesn't look good. It doesn't... Yeah. And it's distracting. Like, you got to make sure it's not a distraction, that it's not a, a show stealer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do use it and uh, and think think there's some value in there, but uh, there is certainly a danger. Um, what about time? I'm, I'm circling back to right where we started. If you're going to give advice to a, a regular pastor, how much time in a week, we all know you don't only work 40 hours a week when you're a pastor, but how much time is appropriate to spend in sermon prep? That's a tough question. I think it depends on... I, I, I want to be careful, too, because I understand that there may be a good number of brothers listening to this podcast who are bivocational. Yeah. That's a growing reality yeah. in our world and, and in the United States of America. And almost impossible for those guys to spend as much time as you, are, you or I do. And, and those guys, I have been bivocational. Uh, those guys are my hero. By God's grace, uh, right now, I don't have to be. I may have to be again someday, and that's fine. Uh I'll do that because we do it for our calling. And that's just a means making tents just so we can preach the word of God. So I want to, you know, give a shout out to those guys. They're my heroes. They're doing yeoman's work on, on that. Uh, So it's difficult to say, but for me, it's almost impossible to, to craft a, a, a sermon that I feel confident with in less than 12 to 15 hours a Mm. week. Um, I, I would ideally like to give it 20. You know, the guys that say 30 or 40, they're living in an ivory tower somewhere. I don't know where that is, not and I never pastors. will know. They're not regular <laughs> pastors. I would think that, you know, if you can give 12 to 15 hours a week to sermon preparation, you, you've done well Yeah. As, as a regular pastor yeah. because our people need us, our families need us, um, 
there are so many demands. I think 12 to 15 is a good target to shoot at. I think it also depends on how, what your teaching load is. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the first church I pastored, I preached on Sunday morning. I preached on Sunday night. I taught a Sunday school class. We had a Wednesday night Bible study. And before Sunday evening worship, we had a discipleship Mm -hmm. hour that I Mm -hmm. taught. So yeah. you add all that up, you got to squeeze a lot of study in. So it kind of depends on what your load sure, looks absolutely. like. For me right now, I shoot for 8 to 10. Um, I always do feel like, man, I could spend more time reading. I could spend more time studying this. I could spend more time thinking about it. But 8 to 10 is a pretty good number for me right now. And I guess it's maybe it's one of those things where, I don't remember who said this. I've read it in a book recently. You may not know when the morning becomes daylight exactly, but that doesn't mean you can't tell when it's midnight. Right. And that doesn't mean you can't tell when it's noon. Exactly. And, you know, I think about guys that maybe, I hate to say waste their week, but they wait till the very end of the week and then they're going to throw 30 minutes to an hour at a sermon and throw something together. And I'm like, that's midnight. Like that's, yeah, that's not enough. Right. Um, And maybe there's, crazy situations where that's in a week all you get but week in and week out what you're shooting for not enough and then right. i agree with you on the flip side if you're spending over 20 if you're spending 30 40 something else is is losing right either in your family or your ministry because there's just not enough hours waking hours mm-hmm. uh, to get all that done any uh i know we've talked about just some practical things but any just biblical textual advice that you would give to a guy, uh, a verse that you would throw at him, uh, a, a scriptural principle for guiding how we think about preaching and, and sermon prep in particular? Uh, two things. I, I think First Timothy 4.16, <clears throat> where Paul uh, exhorts Timothy to uh, give special attention hmm. uh, to his own life. Um, uh, to make sure that uh, his own life, or I'm sorry, yeah, First Timothy four sixteen, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and those who hear you. You know, if our life's not what it should be, our preaching's not going to be what it should be. Yeah. And so, I, I think we need to be men of integrity and character. First Timothy 3 can never be far from our thinking, even as we prepare sermons, mm. praying that God would preserve us uh, and make us godly men through which the power of the Word of God can flow. And then to follow that up with Second Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself as uh, an approved servant yeah. of the Word and, yeah. and enslave yourself to those two principles. Guard your life guard your teaching and you guard your teaching through a holy life that's not distracted by sin so that we see clearly when we study man i like that i like that watch your life and your doctrine Mm. and study like it is work it's not just going to happen you're going to have to work at it that's good i would throw in um hebrews 4 and just remind guys that the word of god is living and active Mm -hmm. and it's powerful and it will cut to the heart if you will just make it clear and get out of the way. Um, so I think I think guys need to remember that in an age where there's so much value 
put on being creative and being yeah. novel and being cutesy and being funny and being relevant. And you just and isn't make it funny it that the, the creativity and the the novelty ends up being so much of the same? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just put it on repeat. It's all it's all cookie cutter. Yeah, absolutely. Brian, I enjoyed visiting, man, and uh, hope that we can get you back on at some point and uh, talk about ministry uh, for regular pastors. I appreciate you driving over to Odessa, and uh, thank you for your time this morning. Thank you, Landon. Privileged to be here. Awesome. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Regular Pastor Podcast. You can check out our website, regularpastor.com. We've got links to social media, resources for regular pastors, Uh, ways where you can contact us with questions, suggestions, requests, uh, or criticisms. We would love to hear it. So until next time, this is The Regular Pastor, out.